oh, it's all gone. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't my, laugh a single time. Because you have no soul and you don't like comedy. That's fair. <laughs> the, the red hair took your soul. Just, Welcome to the What's Already Podcast, where we fashion ourselves cinematic judge and jury. My name is JJ Crowder. I'm here with my co-host, Matt Sennheiner. Better red than dead. And Alec Burgess. Let's get it. We appreciate you tuning in. Go ahead, hit that follow, subscribe, like, bell notification button. Tell a friend about us. Uh, tell uh, two friends about two us. Two friends. Maybe not after this movie. Maybe. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a fun podcast. I can feel it. Yeah, so... Let's jump right in. We're reviewing The Great Dictator. It was released March 7th, 1941, even though it was made in 1940, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure. It was written and directed by Charlie Chaplin. It stars Charlie Chaplin, Paulette Goddard, Jack Oakey, Reginald Gardner, Henry Daniel, Billy Gilbert, Grace Hale, Carter DeHaven, Maurice Moscovich, and Emma Dunn. Um, <laughs> I love this. Uh, dictator Adnoid Hinkle tries to expand his empire while a poor Jewish barber tries to avoid persecution from Hinkle's regime. What a fun movie. And Matson, if you're going to use your band catchphrase, because we are on YouTube now, it's Hail Hinkle. Okay. If you want to know what is, how he got the catchphrase, go listen to our Jojo Rabbit Hell episode. Hell, Hinkle, Hinkleheimer Smith, his <laughs> name, yeah. So wait, say that part, the part, this movie was made in 1940 or 41? 1940. It but was it wasn't released, released till 48? 41. 40, oh, 41. I thought it was going to be, they made this during all this? Yeah, they wow. made it at the beginning it's of World War I. This is a couple years into World well, War I. Yes, Alec, it's a horrible set. I caught that once, Charlie. Whoa, horrible well, no, so, so let's talk what about- What is wrong with you? Let, let, let's talk about why it took so long. So when Chaplin made this, it was early in the war. So the whole Holocaust piece hadn't started yet. There was the persecution of the Jewish people, and there were concentration camps, obviously, but the actual genocide of the Jewish people hadn't begun. And everybody looked at the United States and especially Great Britain, which is where he's from, were very much on the let's just leave the man alone. Okay. It's an we're not involved. He's an idiot. Eventually he's going to peter out. It's not going to be an issue. So we're just going to leave him alone. And in fact, they threatened Chaplin with don't make this movie. We won't release it. We won't release it anywhere. Okay. But he being Chaplin was like, fuck you guys. I'm making this movie. So he made the movie. And this is what part of what's genius to this movie is if he had waited two more years or even another year, he couldn't have made this movie because at that point, the actual Holocaust portion of World War II would have begun. And you can't make this movie based on that, right? Like it doesn't work. But the other genius piece of it is, is to be honest with you, and the part that I love the most about this movie is your Hinkle, and then you have obviously Mussolini's representation. Chaplin on the nose with dictators. Like, how do you argue with the fact? And it's that's why... It's such good satire. Blows my mind that you say it's bad satire because it's hilariously accurate with the real problems surrounding actual dictators. Is they're morons. They're idiots. They just tend to be charismatic 
Because at the end of the day, Hitler was a genius when it came to getting people on his side. He had a whole nation do the worst atrocities that our world has ever seen on the scale that it was seen. And people followed him and they did it. And he did it all in order to keep people blinded to the fact that he was a terrible politician and he wasn't a great leader. He just was likable and he gave them this horrible thing to blame all their problems on to avoid. And there was a joke within the movie early on where he's like, you know, we need to be more violent towards the Jews because then, you know, they'll forget, they'll forget their stomach. Hungry. Yeah, they'll yeah. forget that they're hungry. And I think that's what, look, is this movie probably a little too long? Yeah. But the content of the movie for when it was made and how it was made, the fact that he was willing to stand in and, and go to, at the time, one of the most powerful leaders in the world in the middle of a world war, the start of a war and say, ah, fuck you. You're an idiot. That's what made Chaplin so genius. I want to hear why Madsen thinks this is bad satire. This is a boring movie. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Alec, it's a bunch of one to two minute bits of Chaplin having problems with a cannon to can't fly in an airplane to crashing an airplane to forgetting all these little bits. Have you ever seen a Charlie Chaplin film? Yeah, and I don't want to see another because I don't like movies like that. We have progressed this, to one, color. Guy, oh two, we God. progressed to dialogue and plot <laughs> that is intriguing to me. I just, it was so boring. It's almost like you're not even watching the movie. Do you know how coordinated Chaplin is? I don't need to Incredibly know. coordinated. He's just not my cup of tea. All of these stunts. Well, not your cup of tea, but I you said it was bad. Too. He's coordinated on all these stunts. He pulls a string and then falls on his face. I could do that, but is he no, really No, you good? cannot do it like he can do not, it. I agree. I can't do it like he can do it, but I'm good. I don't need to see. I'm glad we've progressed in movie making. To We wouldn't that, without Charles Chaplin. <laughs> and we fair. have built on his shoulders, but thank goodness may he rest in peace. Oh my gosh, bad satire. Don't we? It's just, it, this satire. movie was so boring to me that I started to one, fall asleep, and two, question should I watch the end of this movie or should I just fake that I did? Oh, well, I'm glad that you watched it because it also has one of the greatest speeches ever written. And curse. Was Ebert. it real German that they were saying? Like in the, in like some the, of it was. Because yeah. some of it, I was like, is this made up? But then I was like, that's talented to make that much gibberish sound like German. And I'll give him that. Because if that's part of it, that's funny. And that's Use hard to do. And it was several times. And it was Tomanian. Get it right. <laughs> it was, it was Tomanian. Oh, yes, Tomanian. It's not. Which is a not. mix of German and some other Slavic languages, yeah. in case you were wondering. Uh, I loved it. But yeah, a lot of it was ad-libbed and him just kind of going off sounded like with a German accent type thing. Another interesting topic, do you know this is the last time he ever wore the mustache? Because that was a signature for him. And in that part where he goes on the date with Hannah, that is his signature look for most of his career. Mm -hmm. The tramp. Yeah, the tramp. Did they get rid of it after... um, He never wore it again after after this movie because of, of Hinkle. Yeah, because of Hinkle and who Hinkle represented, I'm assuming it's probably time to put that to bed. Yep. Oh, that he, makes this an iconic movie because that's, yeah, that is yeah. how Chaplin looks. I mean. And I don't know, like, if you don't know a lot about Chaplin's story, so Robert Downey Jr. made a movie called Chaplin where he played Charlie Chaplin. And if you have it, if you don't know Chaplin's story, this guy was a tortured genius, idiot savant. Like, he is a genius. Was well, He was a genius. But he went through a lot of weird shit, like... And 
ended up, where was it in like Switzerland or something? Because both of his, both the countries that he lived in said, yeah, we don't want you here anymore. Yeah. In he fact, got caught up in uh, McCarthyism. McCarthyism. Yeah. Called him as a communist and yep. kicked out, died in exile. Yeah. They eventually, That's they sad. tried to let him back in the States. I think he got cleared to be able to come back in, but he said, fuck off. I don't want to come. Yeah. And ended up yeah, wherever it was, Switzerland or somewhere in the Norwegian area, if I remember right, he, yeah, he died. But his, his granddaughter is getting pretty famous. She was in uh, Game of Thrones. She's got another movie that's coming out. Una Chaplin is her name. Mm. She was in something I watched recently, but... For me, like one thing that I struggle with, because I I like this movie a lot. In fact, I forget how funny it is to me until I watch it, which I don't do very often, but I was glad we did it because I was, I was like, I was laughing my ass off watching it again. But what I don't get into is I never could, I wasn't as enjoyable with silent films because I don't even like watching, Casey loves to watch foreign films. Um, and I can't do it because I don't, I have a hard time reading captions. If I don't understand the language, it's completely on me. I'm not judging foreign films. They make great foreign films. It's, it's a me thing. I get bored and I get distracted because I'm having to read the dialogue and I don't understand it. It's the same with silent films. Like if I have to read, like, I love the actions going on, especially Chaplin, the guy physically comedian, like you talked about Alec, it's people under underestimate how difficult it is to do that shit. Like early on in the film, when they, when Hannah smacks these guys with the pants and he's like and he's walking up and down up and the down. street, like wobbling and shit like but that's he's staring straight ahead. Yeah. That's tough. Dude. And then like the moment, like when the, the stormtroopers come to the, the house and like, he goes to lean on the wall and misses and like hits the, that shit hurts. Cause you don't like kind of hit that stuff. Like to do that, really, you have to purposefully miss and let yourself hit. And so that kind of physical comedy just cracks me up. And then like the scene where he's, he's Hinkle and he's doing the dance with the balloon globe. Like it's so silly looking, but I'm laughing because you think about Hinkle who the character's based off of. And you're like, I could see that weird little fucker doing shit like this. And it's the biggest middle finger because this is like Hinkle or real life Hinkle, I'll say, is not someone you made fun of. No. Like, not if you were interested in continuing to live. Yeah. Dictators tend to be that way, right? Mm. Do not mess with them. Mm-hmm. But just pull out all the stops. And so that's why I'm okay with the weird stuff, because it's a satire. It's made to, really, for, this movie is made for one person. Yeah. Um, just one giant roast to that person. Maybe two, when... <laughs> one and a half <laughs> yeah that's fair because i mean he wouldn't have been napolini wouldn't have been anybody if it weren't for at least on the level that he did become if it weren't for ankle yeah. but i just love that they called like bacteria yeah <laughs> like it's, dr bacteria yeah freaking, and they kept calling each other like dictator buddies like yeah <laughs> it's so funny and then the one-upmanship between the two yeah. dictators like and the the freaking barber's chairs, I dude, I die every time when they go like eight feet in the air. <laughs> I love it. When this movie starts out, like as soon as I know, because I absolutely love this movie. Mm-hmm. The thing that gets me every time is when they're flying in the plane. Oh yeah, and they go they go upside down. This pocket watch, watch. keeps flying up and puts it down. 
and up again and puts it back down then goes for the water falls out you know give me the stick impossible 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 (laughs) well and i love freaking uh, schultz's reaction when the water he's like i can't reach faint i can't reach and he's like oh it's all gone (laughs) (laughs) and i didn't laugh a single time because you have no soul and you don't like comedy that's fair the the red hair took your soul not true. I just, I don't know. It's just yeah. not funny to me. Yeah. It's so unfunny to me that I, this is one of those podcasts when I have, it's so bad and boring that it, I'm not even mad. I'm just, I have like nothing to say. <laughs> oh goodness. It didn't make me feel strong enough to like, I put this, it's like I was watching this movie, but I put it in like the back of my brain as I was watching it. And I was like, please just let me get to the end of this. And I knew that Alec, <laughs> And I knew JJ would laugh at some parts. And yeah, I just, I'm sorry, listeners, that you had to listen to this because this is just not a a real ginger movie. That's true. And I knew when I put it on the list and Charles voted for it, I was like, rut row. Um, (laughs) I was like, Matson's going to hate this one because we all, we all have movies we like and we don't like. And I'm consistently on brand. If it's black and white, we're already strike one. If it's slapstick comedy from the forties, probably strike two from what I'm finding out. I'm not sure what strike three, uh, strike three is usually a movie that I like, like, so my gosh, put those three together. What do you get? You mean the greatest movies ever made? Is that what you're talking about? We've moved on. <laughs> Not for the better. You're Sometimes telling that's me. very true. I mean, I wouldn't watch Pink Flam- Flamingo over this movie. That's because that's, well, that's, 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 that's gutter trash. <laughs> At least this movie was well acted and had yes, people that were repulsive. It had the greatest actor of all time in there. That's probably true. No. Oh, yeah. Charlie, no, Chaplin, Charlie Chaplin is outrageous. He is the goat. Yeah, he is the goat. Well, just like the goat debate between LeBron James and Michael Jordan, I respect a different era than the original era. So I guess I'm in this terms, I'm an LBJ fan and not an MJ fan, wow. which feels horrible to say because I like, feel the other way. Just like in that argument, it doesn't You're matter wrong. what generation. <laughs> and his and Chaplin, Chaplin would be just as was, good today as he was then. Because that's the difference is everybody, just like everybody argues LeBron. Come on, dude. You think Jordan wouldn't adapt to the, today's basketball? Of course he would. That's how good he was. I'm not saying Chaplin I, would adapt and he'd be better I, than everybody. Do you take what Chaplin was good at with the slapstick comedy, the body acting? And he probably clearly was a pretty good just actor in general. He probably would be amazing today. But you know what? Unfortunately, he's stuck in four by three aspect ratio in black and white. Oh he's predominantly in silent <laughs> films. And I could just give a crap because I'm not going to see him in a 21st century movie when he would probably kick butt. But unfortunately, I get to watch other actors like Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks. Tom uh, Cruise? Washington. Tom Cruise. That's Tom- who you went with? Well, you know, the other two I can get in in Top Gun entertaining. Yes. Is he like in a phenomenal actor? No, he's good at running, though, which if we're talking about physical. I don't want to watch Charlie Chaplin. I want to watch Tom Cruise. Hey, you know, I will say America. They would say, yes, we're going to watch Tom Cruise movies over Chaplin. Yes. The younger generation is taking precedent. All the oldie farts are dying. Wow. That's, That's not entirely terrible. true. There's still five generations in the world. And, and I hate to break it to you, but if you add them all up, 
more. Yeah, but the old farts, they won't vote because they're not going to be a TikTok or Instagram to fill out our poll. <laughs> well, if you're going by the TikTok generation and the people that are we're on TikTok, send them a, a, mail-in, a, a mail-in ballot and then we'll have a proper, we'll get all the old people and the young people won't know how to mail it in because they never sent something in the mail. So problems right there. Wow. This guy, I will say one of the things that I love about Chaplin is the fact that you have the slapstick, 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 even right up to the end. And then right at the end, you put him in front of some microphones and he gives this speech that at the end of the day is what really he probably made this movie to do was to give that speech to say, look, we're not on this world to be shitty to each other. We're not on this world to feed your ego. And I love that the speech was to soldiers of the world, right? The movie was to make fun of and to show the ridiculousness of the dictators and the shitty leaders of the world and probably even the ones that weren't dictators, but were unwilling to make an enemy of this terrible human being. So who does he appeal to is the everyman, right? The soldier who even amongst Hinkle's army, there were a lot that didn't like what they were doing in the normal army, right? And that speech, like still to this day, like chokes me up because it's just like, even today it's relevant. Like the things that he is saying are so relevant in that speech. And that's why I get pissed. Like fucking Roger Ebert's dumbass like shits on that speech. Cause he's like, it doesn't fit with a comedy. Go fuck yourself. It's the whole point of this movie is to show that these leaders are ridiculous and it's up to us as the people, we should take charge of who is in charge because that's the way the world was built. And yet we still let the few control the many in so many cases. So in my opinion, if not the greatest, it's one of the greatest speeches in all of cinema period. It's amazing. That speech without a doubt. Yeah. And then the fact that he can go from silly and stupid and making fun to a very serious, very impassioned, very touching, moving speech is, is impressive. That's to me like, the power of Chaplin is he can be this weird dude and make silly jokes and, and a lot of physical comedy and then go to a, a speech at the drop of a hat that it belongs in the best of dramas, you know? Yeah. Cause yeah. leading up to that scene, they're switching chairs for like <laughs> an entire minute where it's just passing the chairs around in the circle. Yeah. <laughs> well, when they're in the car, like he's freaking out because they all think he's Hinkle when he's really the barber and like Schultz is who is a criminal is like to them is like, you got to do it. You got to do it. Sit still. And every time they like raise their hail Hinkler arm, he like flinches. And shit. You're invading Austerlich. Austerlich. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, not worth the payoff. You got to wait the whole time. I mean, not worth oh. the payoff. Unbelievable. Let's get back to the funny stuff. Like uh, my favorite scene is when they're all digging into the pudding yeah. and it's just passing the coin down to yeah. Charlie Chaplin the entire time. Cause it's, it's that comedy where his, his facial expressions are oh, what yeah. sell his comedy and the way he moves. And even the way he like bobs his head a little bit, it's all very much from the silent film because that's where he made his name. But that entire sequence has me dying with laughter. Because, you know, of course, it's the one old guy who's like, oh, here's the coin. And then Chaplin just spits out like seven other coins. I love when he's like coughing and like a jingle. (laughs) (laughs) That or like, I love the mustard scene 
when mm-hmm. when him and the bacteria dude are like he like loading up his strawberries with the English mustard that's like super spicy. And then he's making fun of him because he's on the couch, like writhing in pain and can't speak. And then this dumbass puts it all over his sandwich and takes a bite. That shit's hilarious. Shit hits you right in the back of the throat. It, it'll get you. Or a red pepper flake on a piece of pizza that just hit mm. that back corner of your throat. Oh, yeah. Or oh, yeah. Bite into that son of a bitch just wrong. Ugh. Oh, yeah. I also laugh at the, like, the audacity that he had. Like, so, for example, Hinkle's his uh, storage drawers behind him that you're looking at. It's like, Oh look, it's a filing cabinet. And then it opens up into dual sided, like triple mirrors. So he can just like look at himself. Like It's such a, like the statement on the dictators and the leaders is just like the level of narcissism and vanity. is van- insane. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. And Jake Oki. Oh my oh, gosh. Man. He comes in, he gets got the Brooklyn accent for <laughs> <laughs> he's just shit on his mom the whole time his wife the whole time like oh it's great well and i love the the swap so like he comes in and he's doing the full straightened arm and hinkle in that moment kind of gets like a little self-conscious at times and he only does like the the little shy raise of his hand stuff and don't even start it on the red carpet the train back and forth <laughs> sweet here <laughs> It'll be back. <laughs> oh man! Oh, and they have their first official state meeting. Oh yeah! And uh, garbage. It's like I've arranged everything so that you'll be looking down on him. You know, he has to. You're always in the position of power. It's a little baby chair, and he's just like, I don't feel right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and one of my other favorite parts of this film is like the subtle showing of how people used to treat people like Hinkle in that they have like moments where they're like the guy comes in and he's like, we've created the perfect bulletproof suit. Cause they just want to impress these morons and they do it in these stupid ways. And he comes in and shoots the guy and he's like, not good enough. And just walks away. Needs work. Yeah. And then the freaking stupid parachute hat and the guy just falls off and they like look down. Like, it's just such a parody on how we go. Ooh, we got to stay. I thought we were going to get like a thud out of that. At least there is no sound. I was, I was waiting for the thud. Yeah. They just barely had figured out a couple of years before how to make sure that the, the sound was there and good. That's why you're missing some of those better sound effects. But mm. I mean, but it like it goes throughout the movie because you even have the planes yeah. and they're flying over and Jake Oakley's like, yeah, those are your planes once they like crash <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or the light artillery. Oh, that's oh. very light. <laughs> Because <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I love it. How do you not like this movie? Yeah, it's, how do you, we just gotta like? <laughs> we're gonna have to start doing watch parties with Matson so that as me and Alec are just laughing our asses off, he'll at least laugh at us. I mean, that would make it more funny because just like Home Alone is funny to me, but it's always funny with people that are laughing with me. Yeah, would I have laughed? more because you guys are laughing I'd be like this isn't even funny why are they laughing but would I laugh yeah and it would make it slightly more enjoyable yeah watching this movie by myself for two hours was boring this movie's way too long I will say if I am going to critique it at all the length of the movie especially in 1941 like that kind of movie they do drag it out a little bit and that was one of truthfully that's one of the only criticisms I have and other people have had about Chaplin in the past is 
even in silent films, his movies were typically much longer than most because Chaplin, one thing about Chaplin is he wasn't willing to sacrifice what he felt needed to be in the movies. And, you know, to his credit, that's his choice to make. He's the one that wrote them. He's the one that directed them. Most of the movies, because of his production companies, he funded them, he paid for them. It was his choice to make. And so that's why he made movies that he wanted to make and fuck all everybody else, which is why he ended up banned from both countries that he was <laughs> living in. Cause they, he would tell people like McCarthy, go fuck yourself. You're a dick. Not everybody's a communist. Stop being an asshole. And they would then target him and say, well, we don't need you here. You stupid artists go away. And so to his credit, he was very stubborn and he put things that were in there, but I will say there are some moments when they draw the gags on a little too long. Like you probably could have done one less roll with the train or you could have done, you know, one less repeat joke here and there. And it would have cut back a handful of minutes throughout the film and still to me had the same impact. So two hours, it's a little long. However, there are certain gags though, that just to me, like I can watch them a million times. Like when they're on the roof, and he's carrying all the shit and he walks out on that little piece of wood and he's all confident about it. And the guy's like, don't drop this immediately drops it. Don't drop this immediately drops his golf clubs. And I just, I mean, I sit there and every time, and then as soon as he pulls the thing off of his head, he goes into like super, I'm going to fall over mode. Cause he's freaking out. Yeah. I laugh literally out loud. Every time. Well, that gets me because why does he have golf clubs? Just escape from a labor camp. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! But he's got his golf clubs. Well, he's got everything. Like he's yeah. got like three bags, golf clubs, like a hat box. Like, <laughs> how did he escape? Like, <laughs> he's he running like down the street with that shit like wrapped on his back, and then he's all so pissed off about it. They're being chased by the stormtroopers and he's like don't drop my shit <laughs> oh, i've been needing to ask did this inspire george lucas to call his stormtroopers stormtroopers yes very much so but that's that was always one of lucas's things with star wars was the empire was always supposed to yeah remind of that particular regime of a certain right of hinkle well, yeah yeah my one of my brothers in was it junior or senior of high school, whatever government with there was some government class we'd take for like US government or something. And but they had to base it off of a foreign government and they took Star Wars and yeah. turned it into World War II. And yeah. we still have that. I watched it a few years ago and I was like, it's pretty easy to take a lot of it and just say, yeah, just plug and play. Oh yeah. It was very much a an influence on Star Wars and and a lot of movies actually. Like once he did it a lot more people were willing to do it though. They did it. They were never as ballsy as he was like, even I can't remember his name now. It's off the top of my head, but you have the producers, which made fun of that particular regime, not nearly as brave about it. Laurel and Hardy did another one too. And I can't think of, I can't think of what it was called, but it was one that made fun of that same regime. But at the same time, again, they didn't lean into it the same way. They just had a dictator with a, an evil regime, but they weren't ballsy enough like he was to actually dress up like Hinkle and just be like, guess who I am, dickholes. Like, and I, so I, again, that's one of those things where 
the fact that he was willing to do it. And then the fact that he foresaw that this was going to get much worse, you know what I mean? And the fact that at that time, all these government, major governments were saying, no, 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 just leave him alone. It'll die down. He'll never. And think if we, and if Britain and some of the other allied powers had gotten involved earlier, some of those things may have been thwarted. Or just same old game. No one wants to get into it. Economy's down. It's like we're rolling the clock back. Hopefully. Probably because not enough people are watching the old movies that tell those stories. <laughs> Probably what the problem is. That was, well, that was funny. I do love history and I do love World War II. And that's one thing when the scenery and imagery of this movie, spot on, did a great job there. I really appreciated that. But I'm a school of history and I'll just read history and then watch <laughs> this movie. Hmm. Or go play the board game Axis and Allies. That's a great oh game. Oh my that gosh. It is, is a great <laughs> game, but this is a great movie. This guy, he always he's very nepotistic too because... Hannah was played by his wife and then they were estranged, which he was also very good at estranging wives because <laughs> he couldn't. Yeah, I won't go there, but and he was just like you said that that physical comedy where you just sometimes just got to lean into it and fall flat in your face. He just yeah, he, went, up this, he went there. It, well, he was just so famous too. like that guy. There's very few. I mean, he made what was it? And maybe Alec, you'll know better than me. In 1914, he made like 35 movies in one year. Like it was, it yeah, was, he made. He had a really. I think it was 1914 was and 1915. 35 movies. I guess we don't have to talk though. But he also did like a lot of shorts too. Like he did 30, 35 minute films, and so in mm -hmm. 1914, because that's the way a lot of the the silent films were at first as they were in the shorts. And so, but he, yeah, I mean, it was something like 25 or 30 some odd movies in one year. And then and a lot he, of them like storyline connected with his tramp yes, character. Yes. Mm. Especially in or the early movies, they were, it was the tramp was everywhere, but I think even in the, some of the earlier years, he was still putting out dozens, like a dozen to 16 movies a year, which, and they, they were all like, people would wait to see the next Chaplin film. So, I mean, he was, yeah, he was a bloody genius, that guy, especially at the time. And the tramp was just so funny. Like the movement, man, it was great. Like the pilgrim. Oh God, don't even get started. The pilgrim is so <laughs> funny. Anyway, let's rate this thing, fellas. Let's let Matt go, go first, first so we can end on a positive. Like note. this movie is a one dog. Be fucking kidding me. <laughs> oh, you've never given me a choke take before. Jesus. That was awesome. I almost squirted tea out of my nose there. This movie was not peak. Fan wow. Master of 69. Um, this movie's too long. This movie's in black and white. This movie's a 4.3 aspect ratio. But that's not really why, like, I'll be honest, like, I was prepared for it. It didn't bother me. I just like pulling that stuff up. I'm just not some of these gag physical comedy from Charlie Chaplin just wasn't my cup of tea. It's not for me. I wasn't intrigued by it. I did appreciate the balls now having learned a little bit more about the history of Chaplin to make this movie. I mean, kudos to that. I know I ragged on the last speech. Takes a while to get there. <laughs> it is a good speech. It was just more fun poking fun at these guys, especially Alec, because he is very defensive of this movie. Um <laughs> I will watch many other modern movies that are funnier, that just are more compelling you, to me. I just am not 
a big fan of this era of cinema and that's me. There you go. All right, Alec rebuttal. <laughs> More funnier than this movie. <laughs> yes. Alec. Wait, wait. Yes. Okay, so Matt's instead of one because of black and white four, three aspect ratio. It's not even all. It's just, oh this, it's God. not funny to me. Like I wouldn't recommend this movie to Taylor, to my friends, to my family. Like I'm not going to tell them to watch this because they watch it and be like, why? Because it's a fucking amazing movie. That's why this is a motherfucking five. This is peak Chaplin. This is a five in his first speaking role entirely. One of the few actors who is able to successfully move from silent films into talking films because of his stardom, because he was so great. This dude is amazing. Everything he is in, everything he directed was pure Motherfucking gold. You're already giving this one. Unbelievable. It is a five. It is definitely a rewatchable movie. Even if you have to skip some of the slow parts. Because even those slow parts are because this is a satire film designed to be making fun of one and a half people. <laughs> oh my gosh. Motherfucking one. Five. Five people. Go watch this film. It's on HBO. Love JJ, it. I will better, give you my login. JJ, you better have some sense here. Oh, you're not going to like my rating. I'm not going to give it a five. But look, I love Chaplin. I think Chaplin was a genius. I think I've bagged on a couple of old films. I don't have the same love for old cinema that Alec does. Casey does. There's nothing old cinema that she doesn't love because she looks at them as timeless and classic. And, and we've talked about them in some of the old ones before. The dialogue, the stories in my opinion, are much more thought out and well done than even most of the modern movies that we have today, which is one of my biggest gripes with most modern movies is regurgitated stories and bullshit. But anyway, I'm with Alec, though. This is peak Chaplin. If if you were to ask me, there's two films that I think of when somebody says Chaplin. Technically, there's three. I think of the Robert Downey Jr. one because it's very good. Tells a great story. It's dark. It's heavy, but it's very, very good. The other two that I think of are The Pilgrim and this one, because those to me are the two that really stand out as films that I can watch over and over again, regardless of the fact that they're old cinema, even though they're talkies, as they called them back then, they're not nearly what the talking cinema was even back then. It was very minimal. And a lot of the gags still have to do with like the silent film, like this one, where a lot of it's the physical comedy. It's the things that you have to interpret. Why is he doing this? Or man, the physicality of it is very interesting. So I never get tired of this one because the satire and the way that it's directed, I think is so relevant no matter what, because there's always going to be tyrants in the world. There's always going to be leaders of, of nations that, overshoot what they really should be trying to do due to narcissism and due to their vanity and the fact that they think that they're better than everyone else. And then they, and they want control. And so I think that this satire will always be relevant because we're always going to have issues with people like Hinkle. They might look a little different than they did back then, but as we've seen recently, it's not, they're still there with that. I'm giving it a four and a half. I do think it's a little long, and I think this is true of all, almost all chaplains outside of his shorts. And that is he put in films 
what he wanted to have in films, regardless of whether it added value to everyone or if it, especially the talking films later on could have been streamlined a little bit, but at the end of the day, I'm oh, apparently kinda, everything he made was gold. I, you know, well, yeah, it, it was Matson. <laughs> yeah, it was good. I'm just saying it was a little long and I don't know that I would ever, I don't know. The Pilgrim's a little long too. So I, it's, they're a little long. There's a lot of editing that could have happened. And that comes from Chaplin, some of his pride and narcissism at that point, but he had earned the right to do that by writing and directing and, and funding almost all of his films too. So look, what am I going to say? You paid for it. Fucking put it in there. It's kind of like us watching pink flamingos. It was, we were paid for it. So I'm going to watch that shit. Um, there it is. So yeah, four and a half for me. I think it's hilarious. I think it's great. I think it's relevant. I mean, it's got one of the greatest speeches, even though Roger Ebert said it wasn't. And that guy can eat a dick because I don't give a shit what you think, fat man. I guess not fat man anymore, but he used to be. <laughs> anyway, with that, there it is. The Great Dictator. Always fun, these old movies. Being somewhat of a mediator in between these like oh You make it 43 minutes. In the middle of it. Oh. That's about what Help I figured us. it would be was around there. Help us all. Uh, with that, Alec, tell everybody you where you can find this, buddy. I would love to, JJ. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to our review of The Great Dictator, starring the goat of acting, Charles Chaplin himself, which makes him on par with our favorite listener, the man, the myth, the legend, Charles. I don't know his last name. Well, JJ and my favorite listener, not Matt's. If you are a fan of the pod and want to support us directly, check us out on Patreon, where you can have some laughs and enjoy more. Special thanks to our current patron, Ginger Appreciation Society. Matson appreciates you. <laughs> check us out wherever fine podcasts can be found, including Stitcher, Ghana, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube, where you can see our smiling faces and watch Matson roll his eyes during my outro. And without further ado, I will send it back to the Mammoth of Mall. The Maharaja of Mash, JJ. JJ, I gotta, I gotta take over a second. Charles, appreciate it. This is <laughs> today. Thank you, because I know you picked this movie for us to watch. But you know what? Today, thank you. It's hilarious. All right, and thank you for the the kind nicknames. I love sharing nicknames with the great Babe Ruth. Oh, absolutely. He was a fat alcoholic too, so it works. Um, <laughs> with that. As always, we appreciate you tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Hasta la vista, baby. Cinematic out.